Hey, what's happening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Perkelhammer. Well, Greg Carroll was there two seconds ago. He went to run and grab something, so he swears he's going to come back. <laughs> so we're, uh, and I think that was because of uh, Adam Moore's question. And uh, Greg saw that question. It's like, wait, I got to run and grab something. I'll be right back. And here, there he is. There I, I, I explained to the viewers there that you had a question from Adam Moore and you just sprung out of your chair to grab something. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, it's such a, a question that people ask me about all the, all the time. So the fact that I could get to the refrigerator real quick and get it. Uh, We're referring to your um, auto feeder Philip recipe. Right. Um, all right. Let me. Um, so whenever we get to that. We'll, yeah. But I'm prepared. All right. <laughs> so um, listen, I, uh, I, I thank Greg for coming back to the live stream. I think this is the third time you've been on the stream, Greg, and I appreciate you taking uh, time out of your day to, uh, to join no me problem. once again. Um, for those of you that don't know Greg, he's a very, very accomplished reef keeper. Um, I'm going to keep saying this because I think it's an awesome honor. I've, I've been honored a couple of times. He, he won Tank of the Month honors on Reef Central, and that is um, still alive and kicking. I mean, that was the go-to reef uh, forum back in the day. It was. It was. So, you know, I, I, I feel bad that they stopped doing that. Because I, I know for me, reef, you know, tank of the month was, was like the goal. Mm -hmm. From the day I set up my, my 225, that, I, that was all I was obsessed with. I got to be tank of the month. I got to be tank <laughs> of the month. So right, when I know a lot of other people looked at it that way also so yes when 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 you got that um that notification you know in your email inbox or whatever it was that uh you know they would like to feature your tank as tank of the month that was a big big deal uh not that time no not that, <laughs> that was actually the third time so unfortunately i'm i'm really one of those people who is never satisfied mm. And I was asked twice before to be tank of the month. And I always turned it down because I'm like, it can be better. Let me get it better. Let me get it better. Let me get it better. And when my wife told me she wanted to move, I'm like, well, okay, this time I'll say yes. <laughs> and I tore down the tank the month after. So, yeah. And it, it's, it's a lot of work to, uh, to actually be tank of the month, no matter what, um, you know, form you're, you're, um, going to be featured on because you've got to collect photos. You have to do the write up and the article and yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy, yep. but it is, uh, it is totally well worth it. So, all right. And a couple of other, um, facts about Greg. He is also the president of the Southern California Marine Aquarium Society and is one of the founders of Reefapalooza. And we'll be talking about yes. that uh, in, in a little bit later on the uh, live stream because we've got a Reefapalooza okay. coming up in New York in June. Yes, we do. Um, Greg has also been a speaker at some major reefkeeping conferences, and uh, he has a big following on Instagram with over, over 7,000 followers. Go check him out as uh, G. Carroll1969 uh, on Instagram. He does these... Um, I don't know what, what like three or four times a uh, a week you do you go live, man. I I try to catch as many as yeah. I can. They're great conversations. Yeah, I go live uh, most of the time with my buddy uh, Reefing with O, and uh, 
you know, it's, it's really like just a 15, 20 minute live stream that I do. I get to work early and I go live until I have to go into work. <laughs> it's great because, you know, I'm, I'm watching you like in your car and then you're like, well, I got to go. I got to go to work. Yeah. And you're usually in a parking garage <laughs> yep. and uh, yep. you got to you got to get back uh, down to business. So um, before we start chatting with Greg, I want to um, thank the sponsors for the show, Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. I really appreciate these companies supporting the live stream. And I also appreciate you folks uh, tuning in. And I see there's a whole bunch of uh, folks in the uh, in the chat already. And as I uh, always encourage questions, comments, what have you, we'll do or best to get to everything like to make this interactive and uh, please don't forget to hit that like button some more people can find us reefing with O is uh, is there reefing with O I got to get you on this live stream man <laughs> definitely definitely guys smash the thumbs up button because it it really you'd be surprised for every 10 people it adds an additional probably an additional 10 people uh, to the stream so yeah we've got we've got uh, 65 people watching right now and um we've only got 19 likes so let's get those uh likes up there yeah get some thumbs up get those thumbs up going there so uh all right dude we we were kind of chatting a little bit before the live stream yeah. about your tank and whatnot tell us what's going on with the uh with the tank and just quickly summarize what the uh tank size is the system and all that sort of stuff so the tank is a 250 gallon age uh, it's one of their hybrid tanks with the uh, PVC bottom and stainless steel perimeter bracing, uh, top and bottom. Uh, Sump is a Vertex Supra uh, that was custom made for me, uh, kind of like a dream box, but Vertex style. Um, skimmer, I actually had a Vertex skimmer. Uh, I just removed it, and I I turned to uh, Ultra Reef. Mm. Um, I was having a few few issues. I, I wasn't liking. There, there was an issue with the pump, and I on the Vertex, and I just didn't want to deal with it. And I couldn't get the pump I wanted, so I went ahead and got the Ultra. Is, Reef is that the um, the really bulked up heavy duty? Italian, yes. Yeah, yeah. I saw that in person. I think last year at Reef of Blues. So that thing is like a tank, dude. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, it, I, I couldn't be happier with it. It, it is, it is built so well. Um, I, I, I mean, I always thought that Vertex and, and Royal Exclusive were were the best, and nobody could match them. But let me tell you, this company did a hell of a job. <laughs> <laughs> they over, they went so overkill on things it's not even funny. How long have you been been but, running it? Uh been running it for probably a couple months now. Yeah. Um instantly my pH went up 0.15. So wow. my minimum pH in the day and night went up 0.15. What what's your uh pH range uh right now? So it used to be 8.0 was the lowest it would get at night. The lowest it gets now is 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 uh or 8.15 is about the lowest it gets. Most of the time it's 8.2. And then and then in the daytime it gets up to about 8.4. Nice. That's a beautiful um, zone to be in. And, and uh, the corals are digging it, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, recently I have also noticed uh, 
despite my parameters as far as my nutrient levels of nitrate and phosphate being on the high side, I'm surprisingly not growing algae on the glass really? at all. Really? Hardly at all. Yeah, I'm going a good week, sometimes a week and a half, sometimes even two weeks without cleaning the glass. I, I clean my glass on, on all my tanks every other day, you know, and um, yeah. uh, that's, that's odd. So what are your nitrates and phosphates at? So nitrates at about 20. Ooh, that's high, man. And phosphates are at uh, point, they're at point two right now. Uh, when I tested it on Monday, it was at point two. Uh, not, not 0. 0.2. 0.2. All right, man. So you got some heavy nutrients in that yeah. tank. I mean, so yeah, what, what, I, what's, can't, I don't understand why it's not, I was going to say my lights 14 hours a day, par levels at the, the upper, upper corals is between six and 700. So that's bizarre, man, because I was just kind of like ask you, how do you manage no algae with such high nutrients? I have no idea. <laughs> Um, Aaron Dust is asking, can you ask Greg if he gets fresh air in 24-7 living in SoCal? Yes. Yes, there is a there is a window right next to the tank uh, that basically, you know, it's got the window locks on it, so it's always cracked. And, oh, what was that? Oh, man, that was, that me. was me. <laughs> okay. I have, uh, so I got a window cracked down here in my basement, and I have a, um, I've got a license plate in the window. And it got blown over. It just fell. It just got fell. it. <laughs> it startled me. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was like a tank busting or something. <laughs> you. Um, so, yeah. All right. So that's interesting that um, you've got such high nutrients and and uh, and no algae. That um, and and in, and in terms of the amount of corals that you have in your tank right now, what would you say in terms of um, the amount of corals in the tank relative to the rock work? I mean, are are you getting some really pretty good, you're getting pretty good growth, right? Yes, not, not, so, so I got a lot of, a lot of the corals that I got, I got from my buddy Cody and his tank uh, was a little bigger than mine and he had significantly less flow than mine. And uh, so, so his, the corals that I got from him really had really thin petite branches on them. It has taken a while for those corals to thicken up the branches so that they could flow. Um, because I got two MP60s and two MP40s, and they run at 100%. That's a lot of flow for that size tank. So, um, and my tank's bare bottom. So, uh, I, I, oh, I've also forgot, you know, when I was talking about the tank, uh, I also have, I have six Radeon Gen 4s. Right, uh, we, we'll talk about the Radeon Gen Gen, uh, yeah, Gen sixes. I'm actually going to be upgrading to Gen fives uh, oh, here soon. All right, you're not going all the way to the sixes, huh? No, I was. I already got the Gen fives. Oh, you already had the Gen fives. <laughs> you didn't hold it, dude. You didn't have the inside scoop that the Gen sixes were right around the corner. No, and I told Jay, <laughs> "Why didn't you tell me?" And he's like, "I couldn't." <laughs> so yeah. Um. All right. So now. About a year ago or whatnot, right, you had an issue with the tank. And from what I can recall, it was an issue with the calcium reactor that th there was some sort of blockage or it... Yes. Okay. So uh, I had a clog in my effluent. Uh, it was a... So 
on my pump. So I don't run a, a dosing pump to feed my calcium reactor. Um, I just use a regular pump. And I made the mistake and I used a, a John Guest ball valve on it. And if you look inside those ball valves, those little John Guest ball valves, there's like a grate in there, I guess, to prevent from solids going through it. Well, it plugged up. And so there was, so there wasn't any effluent coming out of the, uh, coming out of the calcium reactor. So I was on vacation. Mm. I had gone to Reefapalooza. So I was gone for four days. I came home for two and then left for Texas for two weeks. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, alkalinity, when you have a lot of SPS, alkalinity drops really fast when there's no supplementation. So it cratered on you. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I lost, lost a lot of the SPS. Um, I kept anything that had life on it and a lot of the corals, uh, that still had life on them have almost made a full recovery. That's, that's good. It's been amazing. That's good. So any, any um, change in, in thought in terms of having an effluent dosing pump? No. Um, I changed the way I run the calcium reactor, which is now I run it wide open. So when you say wide open, do you have a steady stream of effluent coming out? Like just yes. basically like a broken it's, little line? Nope. No. Full stream. Full stream. And ha- as fast as it'll go So through. you and I... Um, I have two Reef Octopus calcium reactors. You actually um, talked me into um, the first one that I purchased, which which was um, yeah. Well, you have the um, um, the various the, the CR two twenty. It's a nine inch single chamber reactor. I have that one right. on my um, uh, new, uh, older system, the one hundred eighty seven gallon tank. On the newer system, I have the uh, the CR three thousand, which is a dual seven inch dual chamber. chamber, and uh, I love them both. Um, I actually, I think I get. A little higher pH with the uh, the dual chamber um, reactor, but so so how do you tune your um, reactor? Because you know there's there's a lot of information out there in terms of how you should be tuning a calcium reactor, and I understand that it could vary depending on the type of calcium reactor that you have in terms of the manufacturer manufacturer that um, you know makes the calcium reactor. You know, I hear like, well, all right, if your alkalinity is too low, you can increase the, uh, well, you can decrease the effluent flow rate because that will increase the contact time inside the calcium reactor. Um, I've also heard folks, well, you know, another another thing you can do is, um, you know, turn up the, um, the CO2, the bubble count. Oh, did we lose Greg? Can you still hear me, Greg? Oop. I think we've uh, temporarily lost our connection. Reconnecting. Hopefully we will get Greg back real soon. Hang on, folks. A little technical snafu. Um, I am using the Reborn, and I believe Greg uses the Reborn as well. Let's see here. Come on, buddy. Let's try them again.
This is the second show in a row I've had technical difficulties. Mm -hmm. mm. All right, well, I think this is on his end. He was outside. Yes, David. Great time for a thumbs up from everybody. Hello, Greg. You there, buddy? <laughs> Hang in there, folks. If I could play that um, elevator music right now, I would. Let me see what's up with uh, Greg. <laughs> Starlink will fix this, laugh out loud. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's um, it's it's on Greg's end here. We lost him on Skype. Keep trying him. All right, well, um, hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, all right. People hit me up with some questions. Reef Tank Paradise with that's one heck of a screen name. Reef Tank Paradise with Reefer Man 720 CNM. What are the future plans you have coming up for your reef tanks? Uh, yeah, I'm doing a major reboot on the uh, 187 gallon system, and I don't know if you've been following all the videos I have on on YouTube, but um, pretty much have finished close to finished tearing that tank down and starting the reboot. This guy is frozen. <laughs> But the uh, the Peninsula tank has just been thriving. Oops. Where is Greg? Rob, yeah, I that tort has been cut up, so I got tons. And tons of um, frags of that tort, and um, not huge frags. I mean, I probably got like a ton of um, one and one half inch frags. I put a nice big chunk in my um, peninsula tank, and it looks awesome. <laughs> Great splash of color. Yeah, Paul, weather's awesome. Like seventy degrees, seven zero. Digging the warm weather. I'm still skiing, though. Still skiing. Yep. Hang on, folks. Hey, I could hear you. Can, um, hang up, because I'm gonna I'm gonna call you on my iMac. All right, but what's that? I just picked up Skype on my phone, so I'm going to call you back on my iMac, and that'll allow us to get the uh, stream on YouTube. So you hang up. Yeah, bye. All right. Let's try this again. I think it's working. He's back. All right. What, what happened, sorry, dude? Guys. Uh, we had a glitch on the Wi-Fi, I guess, because my wife's working and she's like, 
gave me the what happened. <laughs> oh, she she, she trip on the uh, the internet uh, the ethernet cable or something. Shouldn't I mean we have fiber and yeah I don't know. So where were we? I don't know. I was doing some tap dancing. <laughs> so we're still we're talking about cows and reactors. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess so, my question to you is, how do you tune your reactor? If let's say you got to drop so, an alkalinity, how do you get it up? If you got a um, your alkalinity is too high, how do you get it down? Right. Because because I run a full stream, uh, it's just a matter of playing with the pH. So uh, through my hydros controller, I'm able to program the on and off point of the of the pH. Um, so so right now I'm set at about six point eight. No, yeah, between six point eight and six point nine. Now my calcium reactor only runs during the day. Huh. Okay. So that that's another factor. Uh, so so it only runs when the lights are on. Therefore, I combat that nighttime pH drop. Uh, Interesting. That way. So I've always I've always told people. If there's one thing you can control and keep steady, then use the other one as your adjustment. (laughs) Right. You know, I do the same thing. I pretty much will play around with the um, pH set point. So if if my, um, you know, alkalinity is drifting down too low, then I will uh, lower the uh, the pH set point so the the CO2 is on more often and vice versa in the other scenario. So, um... But I, I do run mine 24-7, and I also, I, I pretty much, you know, I think my primary means of calcium and alkalinity um, supplementation is caulk wasser. Are you running caulk? Uh, very, I mean, I, I, I do add it periodically um, when I want to make an adjustment, but it's not a regular thing for me, no. Yeah, yeah, so. It's just. I, I've just found it easier than breaking out the two part to make it to make a correction. Right. Yeah. It's. Um. I mean. Yeah. I. In, in terms of my pH, I, I have a very high elevated pH. You know, my pH for both the systems is like in the eight three to eight five range, and and I'm oh, dosing. Wow. Um. How much am I dosing in terms of the uh, the cockwasser? Like um, on one system, eighty four hundred. MLs per day and the other maybe 6,000 MLs per day. So it's a lot, you know, I'm going through like yeah. 30 gallons of cockwasser on each system, like every two weeks, you know, of the, um, of the, uh, the effluent. That- right. So, so I have dabbled. I have, I have th- definitely thought about running calcwasser again. Um, because of the hydros, I, I, you know, I also have an alcatronic, which is piped into the hydros. So that's what, so, so I'm using the reading from the Alcatronic to turn off the calcium reactor also when oh. alkalinity gets too high, gotcha. you know, and, and when it gets low, it kicks it back on. So, um, so I, I've actually thought about using Calcwasser through my ATO because almost I can. Um, cause it's not enough, it's not going to be enough to keep up with everything that I have at the moment. So that means the calcium reactor would still have to come on, uh, for some period of time during the day. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe later on, I just, I just haven't 
made a commitment one way or another. So it is what it is, is asking, how do you prevent precipitation from dosing all that cockwash? I guess that question is for me. So my, my, yeah. my setup is um, I have these 30-gallon drums, one 30-gallon drum for each um, system, and I will put enough cockwasser in um, and add uh, the RODI water, you know, and fill it all up. So that's how it's mixed. I only mix it the one time. I don't have a pump in there that's, um, you know, um, mixing up that into a slurry or anything like that. It's just, it's super saturated. And I know it because the pH is, is, um, is, it's 12.5 in that, uh, solution. And I've measured that after like a couple of weeks and it, and it uh, retains that, um, that pH. So it's, okay. it's a super saturated solution. So I've got the, um, I've got my GHL dosers that pull from those, um, 30 gallon drums and um, it's right above the uh, the sediment, the cockwasser uh, sediment. So there is no, I don't have to worry about um, you know any of that um, cockwasser slurry or whatever you want to call it, the sediment getting into my uh, sump. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, just looking at some of the comments. Don't exceed. So yeah, you mentioned um, evaporation. Is is that um, is that something that is would be the ideal way to dose though for you, um, Greg, in terms of cockwasser? Because right, if you have that on your top off, then it could vary depending on how much evaporation you have. Um, yeah. Um, my my whole thing is I, I see. I, I do, this tank doesn't evaporate the way my old tank is did because. I live in a much more humid environment, cons considerably more humid environment than when I lived out uh, at my old house, which was which was more uh, 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 more of a desert climate almost. It was really dry. So I, there, you know, my old tank, I was evaporating about two and a half gallons a day. Uh, you know, now it, it can be as high as that, but but it's never. <laughs> never lower than that. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, never, never higher than right. that. So, um, whereas that, you know, I, I could go as high as probably four gallons a day on the old tank, oh, wow. uh, you know, during, during the dry time yeah. of year. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I don't think I would exceed my, uh, my auto, the amount that I'm topping off. It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't keep right. Up. All right. So you mentioned the, um, the the g4s that you have the g4s and that you're going to be um switching to the g5s what are your impressions mm -hmm. so far based on what you've heard about the g6s um i mean you know a, a lot of people are a lot of people didn't like the g5s because they didn't look like the g4s the g4s definitely had a had a little bit more violet to them uh, just just skewed a little bit more uh, because they used a different royal blue, or as they called it, a deep blue uh, LED. Um, so so supposedly the G6 has more of the G4 look right. to it. But I run the blues anyway. Uh, that's the ones I got. So I I don't think it's going to be enough of a difference to make to make a difference for me. Uh, I was very pleased that they got rid of the cyan which I think is, is the ugliest, the, the thing that makes the LEDs look really bad to the eye. But if you turn those down, the thing looks beautiful. So I'll be fine with the G5s. I, I'm not going to upgrade them. I, you know, I did think about upgrading two because they have more spread than the Gen 5s and then maybe running a, a Gen 5 
uh, Gen 6, Gen 5, Gen 6, Gen 5, and run five uh, LEDs. Because I really don't need six. I mean, six is overkill. My tank's only five feet long. How wide? Uh, 36. Yeah, so I've got a, um, a six-foot-long by 36-inch uh, wide peninsula tank, and it's 20 inches deep. Yours is 24 tall? 27. Tall tank. What, yeah. what par levels are you getting at the bottom and the top? over 400 pretty good pretty good pop man yeah 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 i mean the, the lights are only at they're at 60 percent right now um i did measure what it's capable of and it's it's capable if i turn them up to 100 percent on the program that i'm running which is basically a modified uh blue ab plus i can get somewhere around 700 at the bottom so Aaron Dust is asking a question for you both on the benefits and value or not of full spectrum versus running more blues. What do you think about that, Greg? Um, I can't. Okay, so so here's my thing. I, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, it's important for the corals to get full spectrum. I think the corals will adapt to just about anything in that range from full spectrum to blue. So I don't think it's it's a matter of, I think more than anything, it matters how much, my, how many micromoles they get. Do they get enough? And, and if they get enough, that's all that really matters. Um, uh, Raymond at Two Guys Corals, uh, he runs nothing but blue LEDs. He has these hmm. LEDs. It's just a single color and they're blue. Every I, last I one of them. I cannot live with that. I know, but it grows corals and the corals, it colors the hell out of them. I mean... It works. So I think that's why I, I, the spectrum talk is to me is just overblown. There is no perfect spectrum or best spectrum to me. I, I don't know. As long as, as long as the coral is getting enough light in that range of spectrum and it can be any, it can adapt because if that, if that coral, you know, when it's, uh, you know, when the corals spawn, and that coral sits in, you know, 10 meters of water versus 30 meters of water. Those colors are completely different of light that they're getting. And what if, what about the one that lands in five meters of water? They're all get the coral can adapt. The coral can adapt. So I don't really worry about that. So what? But I, for, but me, I run, I run 11 hours of full spectrum. Well, AB plus uh, a day. So what, what? What do you attribute that in terms of the difference of one fixture versus the other in terms of, um, you know, the benefits of one versus the other? If you could do so many things in terms of tweaking spectrum, tweaking, you know, intensity, how does one fixture stand out versus another in your, in your, you know, mind? Um, for me, a lot of it has to do with, with spread. Mm. Um, that the more even the light, the better to me. So, um, and there are certain certain companies that have have made more of an investment in spread right. uh, than others. Uh, Ecotech being one of them. ATI, Neptune, um, GHL. You know they invested in spread and trying to get even spread. And I think that's that's the most important right. the important thing. The Par Wars are over. You know we're we're living in the days of two hundred watt LEDs. <laughs> yeah yeah, you yeah know? for sure when when leds first came out they were trying to convince us that 70 watts was enough no. to replace a 250 no. 
But now we got 200 watt LEDs and they are enough. So the uh, G6s apparently have a little bit better spread. That's not intriguing to you? No, because my G4s have a pretty good uh, have enough spread for my 36 inch yeah. tank. I only, I only run one row of LEDs. You know, I so you I, have them like perpendicular so to the tank. They're running perpendicular to yeah. the tank, and they they cover the whole 36 inches. Yeah, yeah. I have um, two rows of the uh, the Mitras, and um, they're uh, yeah. I've got great spread on those, so I've got a super fantastic coverage on that tank with those six fixtures. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what what so what about the panel lights? What are your thoughts on the panel lights? Have you um, given those a go at all? No, um, I never liked T five um, because of the flat yep. look. So, um, you know, I was a metal halide guy and I did, I did do metal halide with T5 for a while. I, I had a Geisman Spectra. I've, I still uh, have which, two of those over my 187. Remember how expensive they were? Yeah. It makes LED almost look like a yeah. bargain. <laughs> <laughs> People don't real, you know, they want to talk about how expensive lighting is. Yeah, no, it's cheap comparative to, to what it was for the, for the really nice lights yeah. uh, back in yeah. the day. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I like that shimmer. I, I like a little bit, not, I, I, you know, the Kessel, the Kessel ones are probably a little too much for me, um, in the way they look, but, I, but I like what I get out of the Radions. Listen, you can't argue with the success, right? I mean, a lot of people have, um, great luck with the Radions exactly. and, and, um, other folks have great luck with other fixtures and, and, um. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm a uh, I'm an LED convert. I never thought I'd be saying that because I've been a tried and true middle halide T5 guy for many yep. many years. And and when I started the uh, my Peninsula tank up with LEDs and the Mitras about a year and a half ago, I was uh, I was worried. You know, I was like, man, can mm -hmm. I uh, replicate my success with the uh, the metal halides and the T5s? But um, I think I'm getting better growth in that tank with the uh, the Mitras versus the halide lead tank. <laughs> don't tell anybody <laughs> don't tell anybody because there's a lot of people who, who would like to blame their failures on led so so don't say that too loud i think the one thing that i learned with leds is um don't make a lot of changes you know don't be sitting there and, and making tweaks here and there um because that could every time you do the corals have to adapt to it. right and and you know so i do have some metal halide um roots in my leds because the uh the spectrum mimics 400 watt uh 20k halides you know mm -hmm. so i've got that spectrum in there which is which makes me feel good so you know listen i haven't changed it i started it out like that and i haven't made a change at all and it's just been really yep. rocking and rolling it's been awesome and, and i awesome. think also the higher ph is is definitely um you know helping as well i, I think Personally, I think uh, flow and water quality are more important than the light. Like I said, the coral can adapt. As long as it's getting enough, the coral can adapt. So you have two MP60s and two MP40s in that tank? Yes. I have um, four MP40s and two MP60s in my Peninsula tank. And, um, and how many gallons? 225. Okay, so you're smaller than me. And it's, so yeah, and it's bare bottom. Um, but you know, it's a peninsula tank. So the reason why I have more is because of the other end of the tank. I, I initially right. tried to get away with four pumps 
on the um, back end of the tank. And what I realized quickly is that on the the panel, the, the viewing panel on the other end, that I just was not getting any flow that I needed at, at that end of the uh, the tank. So what I did was a little different. Um, I my two uh, MP60s are on the side, on the left hand side of my tank, on the back wall. Yep. Firing across the back of the tank, making a gyre in the tank. So there's a constant gyre. Nice. And then on the back wall of the tank, there's two MP40s that that are also pulsing and so forth. So that gives me the randomization. Uh, but there is a consistent gyre movement in the tank, and it it's a lot of flow. It's a so lot you're 100 percent gyre mode for all of the uh, pumps. No, no, no. The the ones in the back uh, uh, run at a hundred percent. Oh, just um, straight uh, out. At night, at night they drop to seventy five. But yeah, hundred percent. And then the other, the two MP forties run at random. Gotcha. Like yeah. uh, what's it called, Reef Crest? Yes. I, I played a lot, uh, of, you know, with the uh, the different modes and all that stuff. And I run all mine. I think every pump on gyro mode. Yeah, but yeah. Okay. Um, all right, this is an interesting question from Jared Long. Question for both of you. I'm about to start adding frags of SPS to my main display and frag system. Currently, the tank has nothing. <laughs> Should I do named SPS or get a huge anonymous SPS pack cheap? Hmm. That's up to you. Can you live with anonymous corals? Yeah. I can, but some people can't. Um, it, it really, that's, that's, I think what it, you know, for me, I like, I like to get brown corals and see what they do. Um, but for other people, and I've gotten, let me tell you, some of my best corals in the tank were stuff I brought, bought as browned out colonies, paid 40 bucks. There's a challenge. There's a challenge bucks. to that, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you, and and if you don't like it, sell it to somebody. So, I mean, when you get them brown, you get them. A lot of times, you'll get them so cheap that that uh, you can afford to just sell them to somebody cheap. You know, after you've colored them up, if you don't like the color of them. So you know, I think this hobby is 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 so ingrained in the name game that um, it's it's tough, right, for folks to like buy non-name corals because if they want to try to make some money back on the hobby and try to support the hobby and sell some frags. If you don't have the named stuff, then will you be able to sell the non named stuff? You know, I think, um, I think there's a case to be made for both points of view, right? Because I always say to people like, you know, buy what you like. And, um, I always use a quote from Boogie Nights, the movie, you know, wear what you dig. And I think that's the same thing with uh, with corals, right? You know, if if you like a certain type of coral in terms of the color or the the type of formation of a coral, then get that coral. Don't buy a coral just because it's got a name. You're not really, um, you know, loving the way the coral looks. Yeah. Well, you know, the the other thing is, you know, and 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 I've heard I think Jake Adams always say it from across the room. Yeah. You don't see all those colors you see in those frags. And not only that, a lot of these corals 
look better as frags than they do as colonies anyway. Yeah, what's up with that? Well, because a lot of times you're when you when you're buying a frag, you're seeing the color of the base and all of that. But as the coral grows, you don't see any of those colors anymore. <laughs> you don't you don't see the base because it's grown out up you know further than the base. You don't see it anymore. So so if it's got this cool red ring around the the base or or a green rim around the base, you're never going to see that when it when the coral yeah. grows. So, uh, you know, I think people get addicted into that kind of stuff, too. Um, you know, I, and, and the other thing, the other thing that I will tell you is that almost all the acropores that are coming into the U.S. are farmed. So uh, I don't know how much is really special out there in reality. Uh, right. There's a ton of tenuouses coming in. Right, the rainbow tenuous. A ton of ten- rainbow tenuouses are a dime a dozen here in California. And why are they so expensive? They're so expensive because people are selling the the colors. They're selling the colors of the frags. Is, uh, is the um, photoshopping and all the doctoring of the pictures just um, driving that? I mean, what you know, it's it's tough. Uh, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough, but I can tell you that these corals look amazing when they come in. When they come in from Indo, they look amazing. Um, and the question is, can they keep them looking like that? Some companies can. Some companies can actually make them look better, you know, after, after a little while. It just depends. But most of your companies are here, uh, here are just holding them. They're, they're not trying to grow them. They're not trying to, you know, keep them looking optimal. They want to sell them as fast as they can. So once they turn brown, they can't Jason sell Jason Langer, uh, loving this old man yelling at Cloud's discussion on the name Coral's hype machine. <laughs> well, no, 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 but don't get me wrong. I've named a lot of corals. I, lo- I, I love your ass. corals, dude. I mean, you got... Yeah. But it's different. It's different now. I mean... Back, yeah, back when you I, were naming I, corals and or when people were naming corals after you, it was different. Yeah. No, it was. But, but you know, I, I do understand the lineage game. And, and I do feel that some people should name their corals, especially if they want to keep track of that lineage that, hey, this was the coral that I got from this guy and so forth. I completely understand that. I completely have no problem with people getting a coral that looks identical to the other one and naming them different names because you don't know for sure that those two corals were at some point from the same origin. You, you just don't know. So I'm okay with that. I'm okay with people naming corals. I'm okay with people charging a premium because the coral's only worth what somebody will pay. Yeah. And if nobody pays it, then it's not worth that. Right. So, um, but you know, I don't know, but, dude, but, for like a one inch frag or a three quarter inch frag to be paying $800, $900 for that. That's crazy stuff. If you won't, somebody else will. Really? You think so? I, you know, well, so <laughs> these companies are in business to sell coral. Yeah. Somebody's going to pay it. But the people real, the people realize you get a half inch, three quarter inch frag. That's at least a three year deal. Yep. That's a three year project to a colony. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. That's just crazy, but um, I mean, listen, it's uh, we can probably go on and on in terms of uh, what this, uh, you know, on on this topic in terms of names and all that stuff. 
But, um, you know, listen, it's, it's, it's a hobby and people can, um, you know, do what they want. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful thing. What, 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 what drives you these days, Greg, in terms of, uh, buying coral? Is it, um, is it name? Is it look? Is it a little bit of both? Nah, it's color. color. I want corals. I want colors that are, I mean, corals that are colorful. Um, and, and I am not that, I am that type of person. I keep all my corals on a, on a small rock. So I can move them. I can move them around and see if they get a better color at a different location in the tank, at a different height, you know, maybe towards the front or maybe towards the back. I mean, all, all of that comes into play because I can move them around. How long is that process um, of discovery for you? Well, I mean, it, it's always going because, uh, you know... Uh, a coral, you, you know, you may look at a coral and you're like, you know, that doesn't look as good as it used to look. Let's move it. Let's see if it goes some, if it put it someplace else, it'll do better. You know, I mean, you just, you just never know. I mean, I'm just, it's, it's all an experiment to me to find that right location where the coral looks best. And that's why I don't glue, glue many of them down to the rock. Um, but when I do find that spot, that coral gets mounted right there, and that's going to be its home. How important is it to find frags that are colorful? I mean, you mentioned, you know, you like the challenge of taking a brown coral and coloring it up. But how important is it, you know, in the scheme of things to buy frags that are already very colorful versus having to color them up on your own? I don't, I don't think it's an important of the hobby to me, you know, when buy even when buying a named coral, it doesn't have to be perfectly colored. As long as I can verify that, you know, that I trust the person and that that person is selling me what they're saying they're selling me, I know what it's capable of. I can color it up. Uh, right now, my tank is like anything that goes in it just colors up. That's a beautiful thing. So, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. But it, it, I have to admit, it took a while to get to this point. But, you know, now it's at that point where anything, it doesn't matter if I put it on the bottom or, or anywhere on the tank, it's going to color up. So, you know, you know, I have that luxury. I think SPS are very resilient and um, respond very well to good water conditions. You know, I have a, um, a quarantine tank, like a 20-gallon quarantine tank. And when I get new frags in, I'll run them through that quarantine tank for at least four weeks, maybe six weeks, depending on whether or not I see pests, you know, when I bring them in. And in that quarantine right. tank, I have a um, a hang on the back, um, you know, filter. I have a little nano uh, skimmer, which is really just there to uh, help, you know, aerate, aerate aerate the water, elevate the pH a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I have um, a, some Metro's lights, you know, over that tank, and I do fifty percent water changes every week with established tank water heater, and that that's about it. You know, so there's there's not a lot going on. There's no alkalinity or, or uh, calcium supplementation that I do on that tank. And, you know, mm -hmm. and I, and I dip those frags once a week. I treat the tank with interceptor twice, you know, during that four week period. So I, I run those frags through the ringer. And by the end of the four weeks, you know, the colorful frags that I, I will put into that quarantine tank will lose color. Right. And yeah. it gets to a point where like, gee, should I pull them out of quarantine sooner rather than later? Because I might lose these frags. Right. But, gotcha. um, you know, 90% of the time they make it through that process. And then um, most of the time, a large majority of those frags that were, were colorful and then lost a lot of color, gained that color back in my uh, main system when I put them into that system. 
So they're right. very resilient. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, um, you know, I don't want to forget, but Adam had that question in the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. About my auto feeder. So um, a while ago, a friend of mine, Steve Garrett, got me hip to, you know, hit, hit me to uh, adding yeast to the aquarium uh, as a food source uh, because it doesn't really foul, foul the water, um, you know, with, with phosphates and nitrates, but it's very nutritious for the actual, for the actual SPS colonies and they can consume it. Then I started looking at other foods and stuff and saw how many foods actually had yeast as, as a major ingredient, uh, to them. So I felt really, really confident with that. Um, and the, the food mixture that I do, it's a, it's basically a 50, 50 combination of, of, uh, the reef nutrition TDO pellets. I use the extra small, which are about the exact same size as the little, the little, uh, pellets of yeast. So, uh, so this goes into my auto feeder, uh, and it's fed three times a day to the tank. And uh, it will cloud up the tank and make it like a, a milky color. You know, you'll see that. But the, all the filter feeders are going to benefit from it, including your pods and everything. And are you doing any other feedings other than the auto feedings or that's it? Uh, the only other thing I feed uh, occasionally will occasionally will feed some of the liquid food like uh, Oyster Feast uh, or, or uh, Fido Feast. Um, from new, from also from reef nutrition, uh, you know, give a couple squirts in the morning. Um, but probably only three times a week at most with those. Yeah. Not, not anything. It's, it's all just supplemental to me. I feed like four times a day. I'll do, um, pellets, the, uh, new reef. Is that what the, um, new, new aquarium? I, I can't remember the name of the pellets I use. Um, I do pellets. I do mices and brine shrimp. I'll do that as a feeding. I'll do um, nori. I'll just um, you know break up some nori and, and just feed it to each of the tanks. And then I'll do this um, fish food that I, I, I put together that's just a whole conglomeration of stuff in terms of just stuff I got from the supermarket in terms of seafood. Um, there's some reef roids mm -hmm. in there. There's some garlic powder in there. There is um, um, some... Um, uh, there's a, it's like kind of like everything, but the kitchen sink is in, in, in that. Yeah. Sun. A little smorgasbord of seafood. Right. And so I think, you know, that kind of variety or whatever you're feeding is, as long as you're not kind of feeding one set thing is, is good. And I think another thing that's been helping me, and I don't, I don't know what you do on this front is, um, and I mentioned this last week in the live stream, I'll take a, um, a power head in, in each tank and blow the detritus around you know, whether it's on the rocks or the bottom to, um, just to get that into the water column. So it can, you know, help to remove that via mechanical filtration. But I also think that's gotta, you know, that's gotta be beneficial to the corals, right? Absolutely. Because yeah. every bit of detritus has got bacteria on yep. it and corals like to eat bacteria too. So what do you think, um, Especially what do you think yes. dude is, um, is really the, uh, the key to the success right now with your tank? I mean, you said any, anything you put in that tank right now is uh, coloring up. What do you, what would you kind of say are your top three things that are just kind of kicking into high gear right now? Uh, one, probably the pH from the, from the skimmer, you know, the skimmer keeping the pH higher. Um, 
Number two, uh, the stability of the alkalinity, uh, having it tied to the hydros and the alkatronic, uh, has, has really created a really, really stable environment. Um, because it's, it's getting a test every, every four hours. Oh, you're doing it that often. Mm. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, because remember it's off all night. So, so for, you know, my light cycle goes from, uh, eight 30 in the morning to 10 30 at night. So from 10 30 to eight 30 in the morning, there's no CO2 going to my calcium reactor. Right. So, uh, so I only have so much time to make it up before the nighttime comes. Right. Uh, I want to thank Rob Upstate New York for the super chat. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. The comment is glowing frags and listening to reef bump. Thanks guys. Great chat. Appreciate that. Um, going back to the name game, Jared long. Thanks guys. A few years back, I bought name corals that changed colors slightly from their photos online. I spent a lot and felt cheated. I like the idea of getting browned out corals to discover. Yeah, like I said, especially if you can find someone who sell them cheap because they're brown. Um, I know a while back, uh, Vivid Corals was selling a bunch of of uh, tenuous colonies that they had. They just had too many, and these ones hadn't colored up yet. So he was like selling them for like two hundred bucks or no, one hundred and fifty bucks a piece. Colonies. And yeah, they were colonies, and. You know, they went like that. I mean, I, I know I posted it online somewhere. I was like, wow, you know, they got these these on, on sale, and it, that's a good price for those. And everybody snatched them up, you know. You you never know. I mean, and, and if you go in, if you have a local fish store that gets acros and, and uh, doesn't, isn't able to keep them really well, uh, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely one to buy from. Because they'll be able to, they'll be able to discount them when it gets when they turn brown. Dude, I, I think I mentioned this before, but I'm so jealous of you and being in that area because um, you've got to like just be licking your chops, just having all those local fish stores and, and different places around you to um, to kind of window shop. It's, there's nothing like window shopping. Nothing like window shopping, but it can also be overwhelming. Hmm. Um, it doesn't. I mean. When you have, when everything is fire, you get sick of looking. <laughs> really, at it's that it, it's that good. Yeah. Holy man. Yes. Oh yes. I'm telling you, the corals that are coming in now, everybody buying coral right now. And the reason I say this, but it's is a summer. There's no junk coming in because every every importer is bringing in ultra corals they're not bringing in junk because the difference is like if a coral's gonna land if they're gonna land a coral for a hundred bucks 60 of it is freight yeah <laughs> so, uh, it's crazy what's so, going on so the difference between a 20 dollar coral and a 40 dollar coral it's not a big deal when the 40 dollar one's gonna sell for three or four times the price so everybody's bringing in the best of the best stuff right now. And, and when you go to some of these places and you just are like in awe of how comparative to when we would go shopping back in the day, 
the corals that are coming in are just insane. So Aaron Dust, thank you very much for that very generous super chat. The comment is you are amazing and, and uh, we thank you. Um, dude, so this kind of like sounds to me like you're, uh, there's, there's a lot of options out there for maricultured colonies or wild colonies to pick up. And that's kind of different than what, you know, my mindset has been in terms of just frags, frag, frags, frags. It sounds like you have a lot right. of um, options to get, um, you know, larger pieces. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Here, here in Cali, I think the rest of the country is still playing, trying to play this game of taking maricultured colonies and cutting them up. Yeah. Um, because you're definitely going to make more money that yeah. way. But uh, the, the, there's, there's plenty of these corals coming in. And I think also when they come in, when they come, when, when an Indo shipment comes in at one place, you can bet everybody in Southern California got Indo the same day because <laughs> <laughs> it was all on the same shipment. So, so a couple of comments here. Unheard threat just came from window shopping in Harry's Marine Life. I've never heard of that. Um, we're spoiled yep, in Los Angeles. One of the place I goes. Farm yep. frags. People complain um, about coral price, but they don't know about the DOA corals, right? So I guess they're um, dealing with that stuff. There's yeah, and that's the other thing is that uh, the DOAs hurt more than they used to because of freight. One thing the the coral supplier will give you credit for the coral. They're not giving you credit for the freight. They had to pay that. So, so, you know. If you're paying 60 bucks to send the coral to get the coral here and the coral costs you 20 bucks, that means it would have been 80 is what you would have got. They're only going to give you the 20 bucks back. Right. You know, I, I talked about this with uh, Jake on the live stream last week in terms of the skyrocketing freight costs and how that might potentially impact the industry. What's your take on that, man? Do you think um, that could uh, change things in terms of vendors dropping out because it's just it's. It's, it's not only expensive to bring stuff in, but it's expensive to ship stuff. I mean, I ship stuff, and I've never seen it more expensive to ship frags across the country, halfway across the country. It's, um, it's insane because of what's going on. It's more expensive to ship anything, not just frags. Even, even if you sent – I tried to send a Radeon to Reef and With O, and it was like 40 bucks to send an XR-15. Yeah. Or no, it was XR-30. It was an XR-30. It was like 40, 40 bucks. I'm like, good lord. To I mean, that and that was the, the guy's like, oh well, how do you want it sent? I said as slow <laughs> and as cheap as possible. He's like, okay, thirty eight dollars. And I'm like, get the hell out of here, you know? Right. So yeah, it's it's gonna it's it can affect us, but the bottom line is, um, prices are going up on everything. Yeah. So the only way it's going to really affect us is if people get to the point where they don't have that discretionary income to be able to enjoy this hobby. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, what's happened the last couple of summers were atypical, right? We had COVID and um, things were extremely busy and, and, and um, everybody in the reef keeping, you know, on the, on the, uh, the vendor side, coral um, sellers, equipment uh, manufacturers, uh, retailers, what have you, it was hot, right? I mean, things were like going like gangbusters because people had a lot more time for their, for their hobbies. I think this summer will be interesting. I think this summer will be more back to reality in terms of what we saw prior to COVID. And it'll be interesting to kind of see how that impacts the industry. 
I don't know how it's going to impact the industry because we also have to take into consideration, yes, it's going to be back to normal. So maybe the growth of the industry may not be uh, uh, as fast as it was, but you still have more people in the hobby because of that growth spurt right. that we had. So uh, the, the hobby's still going to thrive and there's still a lot of people in it. And, and you're going to get a lot of those new people that were in it are now going to become advanced hobbyists in the next few years. And they're going to be thriving for the high-end equipment also. What, what, are you, uh, what are you guys seeing in your, uh, in your club there? As? In, in terms of what, uh, you know, the interest in the hobby and, and uh, you know, kind of like the recent. Uh... So our... Our club has gone through a transition. Um, when COVID hit, uh, we turned to Zoom. Right. Did lose a lot of, of people that uh, want to eat in person despite COVID mm. and whatnot. And a lot of those people, you know, kind of like, oh, well, you know, I'll come back to the club when you guys start meeting uh, in person. On the other hand... Our club's not a Southern California club anymore. It's a national club. Hmm. We got people from all over the country that are members of our club oh, now, wow. and they meet on the Zoom on the Zoom meet. So, uh, uh, you know, and I mean, you know, we even got a guy who lives in Moldova that's a member of cool. our club. So, I mean, I'm like, well, now those are the people who stuck with us through the bad time. I can't alienate them. <laughs> so it's hard to go back to an in-person meeting and just say, Hey, screw you guys that are, that are became well, members. Do, do, how about a hybrid meeting? Well, that's what we're working yeah. on. We're working on, but is really enthusiastic about it. Cause you can't drink at the IHOP. <laughs> and you can drink at home when, when you're on <laughs> zoom. So uh, you can, you can get a little creative there, Greg, you know, you can kind of figure that out a little bit. Nah, maybe. I, I can't drink and drive. That's tr drive that's very home. true. That's very true, and that's an excellent yeah. point. Um, yep. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, Paul Greatbeard Reef makes an interesting comment. This is this is bizarre to me. Shipping costs only a uh, container container of fireworks last year was thirteen thousand. This year it's forty thousand, not including the product inside of it. Paul's a uh, fireworks guy, and uh, wow, that's uh, that's crazy. Yeah. No, that's and, and, and what's the what's the funny thing is if you if you look at the container ship companies, they're all making record profits. Is that the case? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and they can do it. And they, the reason they can do it is because with less international flights <clears throat> due to covid, a lot of the international flight routes got cut. So there's just less international travel. A lot of our goods, a lot of people don't understand, comes on passenger planes. The whole reason hmm. they charge you for baggage is so that they can have extra room to carry freight. Really? Because <laughs> that's where the money's at. Really? Yes. Yes. Most, all these corals, they come on passenger planes. They don't come on like FedEx planes from Indonesia. They come on passenger planes. So they're kind of like stowaways on passenger planes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, 
All right. So this kind of like leads me to ask you a question about supply chain issues. You know, do you think we're um, we're kind of getting close to seeing some relief on this end or is this going to be something we're going to be seeing for the next several years? I think it's going to be a while before before. I mean, I know that, you know, I know in the U.S. they're talking about building chip manufacturing plants and stuff. I think all that stuff is going to have to happen because now we've gotten used to I mean, there's a lot of companies I work for the county. They're even allowing people now, even outside of COVID, to work from home. That's never been the case. So, so, so our quest for uh, uh, portable electronics is going to continue to increase. There's a lot of people still working from home, and and uh, you know, electronic dependency always goes up. I mean, cell phones you know, iPads, computers, laptops, I mean, all that stuff. And now, you know, now it's hurting the car industry. You know, you got cars, they can't, they can't, they can build the car, but they don't have the chip to, to run it, you know? So. Yeah. No, I mean, who would have thought you're paying more than re, you know, MSRP for a car? Yeah. So, so until, until they get those new chip manufacturers online, we're going to see this. And, you know, a factory isn't built in a in a year. It's not built in two years. Yeah, these these kind of things take a while. So it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a little. It's it's frustrating. Is there any new gear out there that you'd like to um, kind of get your hands on and and have been frustrated and and not being able to do so? Well, I was really frustrated in how long it took for me to get my Alcatronic. Uh, that was that was a nine month wait. Yeah. Um. So, uh, you know, I, I, I sit there, you know, and I, I, you know, people got mad. They thought I was attacking Focustronic because I was saying, you know, how ridiculous it is that, you know, they're not bringing, bringing these in. But, you know, they didn't understand. People didn't understand. There was like 30 coming in in a shipment at a time. And the shipments were three and four months between each other. Yeah. And Crazy. I'm just like. You're developing new product. Just make the one product that you can sell all day because there's so many people waiting for them. Start with, you know, focus on that, you know, but, you know, a lot of people were upset that I said that, but, uh, but that, that's all it was. I just, I thought it was a great product and I, I didn't think I didn't, I thought they were missing out on business while business was hot. So do you think this is obviously hurting innovation in the industry right now in terms of new products and new product launches? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen what it's done with Hydros. Um, you know, Hydros, great little controller. And they're at that point now that they're having trouble keeping them in stock. Yeah. Yes. You know, because, uh, you know, uh, just just getting the parts. Um, Ecotech, same, you know, they, they're having problems. I mean, the whole reason, you know, we don't have versus is because, well, it uses a similar chip to the Radeon. And if you got your choice to build a Radeon and a Versa <laughs> and you're the company, yeah. you're going to build a Radeon. Yeah. Yeah. You can sell them all day. So, yep. Um, GHL has been having, uh, you know, issues in terms of fulfilling the ion director yeah. orders. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's tough. It's it's really tough. And. uh you know, you you gotta you gotta be able to to 
figure out a way. And, and I think personally, I think the way is to order these chips. And if you have to buy two, three years worth of chips. Yeah. I know that's not what you would normally do, but put that order in big enough. So the company pays attention to you. Right. Yeah. Go all in, you know, because yeah, when you're, when you're buying small amounts, you're, you're low on the totem pole. Uh, as far as them caring, so. But there's got to be business reasons why they can't make that kind of outlay, um, right up front for something like that. I would, I would assume that. But there's also business reasons why they need to make that outlay. Yeah. I mean, if they can't make the product, they can't. They won't have income. So, yeah. it's one or the other. Um, you know, or or find another company and parlay. You know, get in on their order or whatnot. Make those orders bigger. So here, here's here's a here's a good transition. I'm always an advocate in terms of um, you know buying higher end, more reliable type of equipment. You know, because it will last longer, right? So you're not going to have to worry about um, potentially upgrading to replace it or, or or something like that. But I know mm-hmm. you and O were talking in in one of your uh, you know IG live streams about um, about equipment, and um, I think I chimed in. With a uh, with a question I posed to you guys, you know what's what's more important in terms of finding products that are easy to use and easy to set up versus you know that potentially could be more reliable. Um, you know, there I guess there is a fine line in terms of that stuff, right? I, I think there's a fine line, but that line is adjustable based on your preference. Um, for some people, uh. Turning a light on and off is all that freaking matters. <laughs> it doesn't need to ramp up. It doesn't need to adjust the co- colors. To some people, it does. Yeah. To some people, it should. I mean, it just really depends. Um, and, and everybody's got their choice. I don't want to knock somebody who, who wants to buy a, a Chinese light. You know, in, in reality, I, I don't really think I should. Um, sometimes I do, but I, I shouldn't because bottom line is if they're happy with it, then, Hey man, run with yeah. it. But at the same point, they shouldn't be pooping on, I was going to say something else, but they shouldn't be <laughs> pooping on those other companies and those other people who like the finer things in life who are past. They, they just don't want to do that. We, we all have choices and, and, uh, I, I think we should respect each other's choices yeah no i i agree with you i think there's um there's a case to be made for each kind of different uh, scenario and and yeah. um you know i think you got to be consistent in in um in that approach in terms of you know how how you like to uh, you know handle those certain things but um yeah i uh listen it's um it's it's not easy i mean i personally am the type that um will not fiddle too much with with equipment once once it's working correctly if i'm like in an app or something and making adjustments initially to a piece of equipment whether it's lights or pumps or something like that i get to that spot that i like and you know in short term when i see good results i leave it alone you know i don't i'm not so i'm not a tweaker but there's tweaker there's tweakers out there right yeah i mean i haven't touched my light app in months i mean gotta be six months i haven't i haven't gone into EcoSmart live to change anything i don't even do it for pictures um sometimes you get white 
pictures with the tank being white. Sometimes you get the tank pictures being blue. That just depends on what time I took the pictures. That's all. Because I, I, I will not go in there and change the lights. I just won't. Yeah, same with me. Um, I'll, um, you know, the only time I change the settings is when I'm doing video or pictures or something like that. Because in the meters, you get a flicker if you have it, um, you know, running running in a regular mode. So there's a photo mode. Yeah, I just found that out. Yeah. yeah. What the heck is up with that? I don't know, man. It's a pain in the ass for me because I, I, with my halides and stuff. I don't have to worry about that crap. I just like shoot, yeah. you know. I, so I guess the metris isn't isn't the light that uh, you have the the live stream on. Oh, no, no, it's no, I do not. I cannot have a live webcam on the uh, Peninsula tank. I, I, I came to that realization uh, a little while it'll, ago. It'll be a disco, boy, <laughs> let me tell you. That, yeah, that, that it's a strobe light. I just found that out at uh, Rap Orlando. I, I, was filming, I was filming lights, and I was on the Mitra, so I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this thing? <laughs> I thought something was wrong with my camera. Yeah. I turned it, and I'm like, other lights and i turn it back and i'm like okay this is crazy so oh that's not the way like every led you don't have to uh switch between a mode see i I don't know any better greg i mean what do i know yeah no that's that is that let me say if i had bought those lights like i originally planned to that was the light i was going to go to because i really wanted all of the equipment on this tank i wanted it to be european So I, I was looking at the Mitris lights. Had I got those and that was the case, I'd I'd have had a fit. Dude, they grow so actually, they grow corals, I'm man. Actually, I know, but I'm actually glad I didn't get <laughs> get it because I I would have blasted them all over the internet. I would have been mad. I, I think I, I think I, he I just think people, I think he just did that. Yeah, well. <laughs> no, yeah, listen, I'm, I, it's I'm just me because I all my pictures I don't take still pictures. I take vi- short video clips yeah. and, and yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to go in and change that mode. Yeah. So, well, I have six lights that I have to change it in each light. JHL. <laughs> you didn't know G- any better. JHL okay. folks, if you're listening out there, uh, feel that. my pain. Yeah. Feel my, I mean, yeah, listen, maybe. I'm, I'm, I, uh, I'll admit I've got a, a big connection to GHL. I sell their equipment and stuff on my website, so I'm partial to GHL, but um, I'm also partial to uh, to other manufacturers, and and uh, you know I try to call yeah. it as I see them, and uh, you know so. I I actually love the design on the light. Um, I love the fact that you can get it in white or black. Um, that that was the biggest thing for me because a lot of my tank is white, and that's why I wanted the GHLs. But but yeah, that. I think that flicker. I think uh, in the next generation, that needs to go away. They need to. They need to do what every other light company is doing and fix that. How un, how That's, important is lighting in your you know point of view in terms of the the uh, key to success in keeping SPS? How, I don't think I, I. It's it's to me it's like third 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 behind behind flow and uh, and water quality. So we have a, um, a question from Jared uh, Long again. Do you recommend Alcatronic or Mastertronic? I'm debating one or the other. I've, I've got my thoughts on that, but you go first. I can't see myself ever getting a Mastertronic. I agree. And I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's overkill. It's a monstrous investment. It's not just the $1,400 f- 
or fifteen hundred dollars. I don't know exactly what it is for the for the unit, but you also have to buy all of those test kits. Right. To fill it's it. hobby grade test kit results. Yeah, and, and well, no, it's going to be better than hobby grade. It's going to be better than hobby. Why? Grade why is that though? Because, because you're taking, aren't you? You're taking out the human the human factor. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the human variance. Okay. So it's going to be a lot more a lot more precise Consistent. than, yeah. you know, and, and your, your, your computer to read the results rather than, rather than the human eye. So you, you get rid of a lot of the human error factor. So it's going to be reliable. I just don't see a need for that stuff um, to, to test for things that don't ne need, necessarily need to be tested that often. A lot of the stuff that you would test with that you would at most test once a week, I think. I mean, that's all I would test. You know, I don't, I don't need to know what my phosphate is every day. And even if I did, that means every 50 days I got to buy a new test kit and fill it. <laughs> yeah, phosphate's tough, man, because, you know, yeah. it's, it's so hard to measure and, and get, um, I think, rel reliable results with, with phosphate because it's such, you know, right? It's such a low scale. Yeah. So, so I, I am not big on, I mean, even the ion director, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy an ion director. I just don't see a need for those parameters, but alkalinity. Absolutely. Right. I mean, alkalinity is the most important. I, you know, I, the, 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 the reason why I like the, uh, you know, products like the ion director or, or the, uh, the trident or whatever it is, is that, um, it just, I'm, you know, it's, I think uh, Rich Ross said this, it's kind of like the good type of lazy and, um, it saves you time in terms of having to bust out those test kits. You get the automatic, um, yeah. you know, data from, from those uh, types of devices and it is lab grade. So I would assume that it's going to be better data than you would be able to get from the, um, from the test kits. Uh, I, you know, I am not the type to obsess over, um, you know, those types of results and be making dramatic changes to the way I, um, you know, keep my tanks. If, if I see like nitrates or like zero, 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 then I will do something about that and up, um, you know, either the feedings in the tank or dose more nitrates. You know, if I'm measuring phosphates in my phosphate test kit, I use the Milwaukee, um, you know, test kit. And if it's, you know, zero for a few weeks in a row, then I'm going to be up in the, uh, the amount of phosphate I'm dosing or, or again, feed more fish food. But I don't go right. nuts in terms of chasing those numbers unless they're zeroed out. Right. Now I do, you know, I do have that device, the, uh, API spin touch, uh, or no a API. I don't remember what it's called. Aqua spin. Yeah. The ATI API aqua spin. Um, and you know, that tests like eight parameters, I think. And, uh, you know, does it give you the greatest results? Like, you know, like I said, my phosphate is 0.5. Not, I don't know if it's 0.59 or 0.50. Yeah. I don't know. Right. But it's, you know, when it's that high, does it really matter? <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and I use it more as a baseline. And, and if I have a wacky reading, I'll follow up with another type of test to, to, yes. to get a tighter number. But, um, you know, I use that once a week, once every two weeks, you know, when I think about it. And, and, and get a baseline. And it's always, you know, well within what I feel is a, is a good reading. So I don't really worry about it, but, um, 
but I just, yeah, I, I think as long as you're monitoring your alkalinity, yeah, I think that's the most important, especially for an SPS. How about uh, how important is supplementing traces? I don't. Do you don't it. do it. Do you do, uh, do regular water changes? I couldn't say that either. <laughs> I try. <You> try. <laughs> I try to do water changes once a month, which ends up being sometimes four or five months between sometimes. Wow. Salt. Uh, what salt am I using? Uh, I'm using, um, what's it called? Brightwell. Neomarine. Yeah. Um, Jared is asking again, so do you both think the only thing that needs to be auto-tested is alkalinity? I used to test alk daily, the rest weekly. I would think if you would have to pick something, then I would pick alkalinity to have that auto-tested. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it was cool that the Trident tested, you know, the three, the big three. But, I mean, with with all of the forms of balanced supplementation that we have, I just don't see a need to test calcium and magnesium that often. So, um... I, I, I don't even own a calcium test. So, you don't even know what your calcium is? Well, yeah, I do because of the Aquaspin. Right. It's about 470. But that's high. But as far as well, yeah, but I run alkalinity, you know, us- usually upwards around 10, not in between nine. Oh, and 10. OK. Yeah, that's high. So. Yeah. Um, Rogue uh, Gaming is asking, what about the spin touch tester? So the, the spin touch is from Lamont. It's the exact same device. So you can you can actually because API only sells it to local fish stores. So if you get the Lamont version, it's, I think it's the spin touch FF is, is the, uh, is the one. If you hit me up on Instagram, I'll send you a link, uh, to it so that you get the right one. And I mean, it's, it's great. It's, it's a dollar. It works out to be about a dollar 75 or maybe it's three, no three, I think $3 per test. That's not bad. So, you know, you run that once a week, you know, that that's, you know, and the, and the device cost about nine hundred bucks. So Ooh, that's pricey. Uh, it is, but so is so is any of these yeah, other devices you're, right. you're going to. You're right. And it and it gives you all those parameters in two minutes. Reef girl Cindy is saying, "Love my spin touch results are not precise, but the info is suitable for a hobbyist to make decisions and monitor trends." Exactly. Um, Aaron Dust, folks, hit that thumbs up if you like this chat. So you show your support here, here. Um, yeah, and I really appreciate everybody coming out. I mean, got a good number there, 126 yeah, yeah. listening. So, yeah. you know, I'm I'm happy with yeah. that. Could be a little higher. <laughs> well, you know. Um uh what was the other question? Oh, uh Reef the Sea Forever. Have you guys tried the new Hannah Mag egg? I have not. Nope, I haven't I haven't tried it either. Um so my mag is 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 introduced to the tank via the calcium reactor using using basically dolomite, uh, the neo mag, uh, in the calcium reactor. Right, so right, right. And you're using my calcium. Go. My my magnesium sits at four fifty to fifteen hundred all the time. Right. Uh, that's that's uh, kind of where I'm at usually as well. Um, I was going to ask about, uh, yeah. All right. Skinner JW. What about rap New York? Let's talk about rap New York. 
Oh yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So looking forward to it. Um, you know, downside, I, I'm really going to miss the, uh, the embassy suites. It closed. So, uh, we're, we're not staying there anymore. We're at a, uh, courtyard Marriott courtyard down the street. But, uh, but yeah, the show's the show's coming. I always get excited for the New York show. Um, it's one of the highest attended shows hmm. uh, that we do, um, just simply because the New York, the whole tri-state area really comes out to that one. Yeah. Yep. Any uh, so, anything new for this year uh, besides the uh, change in the hotel? Uh well, I know in I, I don't I don't know uh, what they have planned. Uh, you know, as far as anything new, I can say that the raffle in Orlando was insane. And I know we held there was, it was so good that we held stuff back hmm. to bring to New York. Oh, <laughs> so, nice. so the New York raffle is probably going to be insane too. Um, you know, it, 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 there, there was a lot of happy people leaving Orlando. Let me tell you. And, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, with, with with me, I just enjoy the the opportunity to hang out with a lot of other reefers. Uh, you know, I get to see you in New York. Yep. Um, you know, a few a few of my other friends, and uh, you know, that's always fun. And then, you know, in the evenings, we actually go to the city and have fun there. You know, I so, got to stick around one of these uh, years and hang out uh, after the yeah. uh, the show. So you guys usually go yeah. into the city. Yeah, I was actually in New York, yeah, we big go, city, uh, a couple weeks we ago. We go in the city. We'll we'll go out for dinner, and then we hit up the clubs. Really? And to have fun. Yeah. The clubs. Up until about 1 a.m., because the last bus back to Secaucus is at about 1 (laughs) a.m. So, got to catch Dude, I don't know. You you, kind of, like, lost me right there. Clubs up until 1 a.m. I don't know if that's my cup of tea. (laughs) It's it's more people watching for for us old guys. I I got you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Melanie yeah. Simpson, thank you so much for the uh, for the super uh, chat. Um, yeah, so more coral vendors this year than in years past, Greg? Um, I haven't looked at the map. Okay. I haven't looked at the map. Um, there's there's always a lot of coral vendors at every reef of Palooza. I mean, we started off as a frag swap, yep. so um, you're always going to see a lot a lot of people. Um, but what we do usually get is the best of the best because it is expensive for them to exhibit at Arifa Palooza. So, so you get, you get the higher end guys, uh, selling at a, at a show like this or the guys like, you know, my, my favorite has always been your reef because he just brings a lot of cheap frags and sells a ton of, them. Oh wow! you know, and just, blows them out you know buy five you get them for this price you you know buy six you get them for this i mean just all kinds of deals like that so i don't know if he's going to be there this year but uh, that can't be an easy process um you know i I had um bill ramucci from epic aquaculture on uh, one live stream and he was talking about getting ready for big shows and all that stuff and essentially had a whole system of packing uh these gigantic um Luggage carriers, I don't even know what he called them, but uh, it's got to be a daunting task in terms of transporting all that water, all those corals, you know, via airplanes yeah. to get to the uh, show well, and setting up. And Absolutely. 
absolutely it is um and there's an art to it and some guys have it down i mean you got guys like frost corals who just packs his van up and he drives to every show <laughs> oh, really <laughs> yeah he's freaking in ohio and he drives to the california show wow you know? man so that's like a lot of i mean that's like straight on through driving yeah, and he's doing shows almost every weekend somewhere in the country. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, really some people who really know how to do it. Uh, someone asked if I ever send in ICP test. I saw, and yes, I do. Um, I use Triton uh, because a lot of times I'm going to unique corals and... <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. I'll just, I'll just drop in and drop it off, you know, so... Do you, uh, how often do you act on an ICP test? Uh, well, I mean, I, so, so I use the method that Joe taught me, which was sending an ICP test when everything's going well. Yeah. And then at that point, if something looks off, send in an ICP test and figure out how to get it back to where it was when it, where everything was doing well. Um, I don't do the monthly send in an ICP test. Yeah, me neither. Just if, if if there's something I see, then I, I immediately do it because because let me tell you, um, and and here's another thing. When I send in that ICP test, I do not wait to do a water change until I get those results. I do a water change. I don't. I don't care, but I want to know what happened. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. And maybe then I can, I can fix that issue. So if something's depleting or something's being introduced into the tank, I, I, I can try to make that correction um, in the future. But I, 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 it baffles me why people would send in an ICP test. that's going to take a week to get the results and sit and wait and let yeah. it go continue to go downhill yeah yeah no i'm doing water changes as many as i can <laughs> so no it makes total sense all right dude well listen uh you've been very generous with, with, with your uh with your time any uh any final thoughts greg before we uh sign off well um you know i i just i just hope everybody got something out of this uh i know we we jumped all over the place on reef topics, I really enjoy, you know, doing these, doing these lives with you, Keith. Um, anybody who wants to, you know, ask me any further questions in the future, hit me up on Instagram, uh, gcarol1969, or meet up with me at a reef of Palooza. I'm at all of them. And uh, we are having all four this year. So, uh, you know, California, Dallas are on. We're just not doing Chicago. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you, buddy, in in a, in a few weeks in uh, in Rap, New York. Um, all right, one last question. Got in under the gun, Mister No3, Mister Nitrate. I guess can you ask Greg if he uses um, phytoplankton? Please. I I do. I use I use the phyto feast from Reef Nutrition. It is it is not a live phyto. It's a it's a concentrated phyto. Uh, you know, little squirt, and uh, probably three three times a week max yeah reef nutrition's got some great stuff i've used their oyster feast and uh vital feast in the yeah. uh, in the past yeah so good stuff those are those are my go-to uh and then i use the the row the the fish eggs for new addition fish 
you know, when I'm trying to get a fish to start eating. Yeah. They love that stuff. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, listen, dude, thank you again so much, Greg, for, uh, for being on these, uh, on the live stream tonight. I enjoyed the, uh, the discussion again, uh, myself. It was, it was awesome. And and thanks everybody that, uh, that tuned in. I also want to thank bulk reef supply and ecotech Marine for sponsoring the live stream. And, um, big thank you to the moderator, Paul, um, for, uh, for handling that as, uh, as usual. And remind everybody that all episodes of Wrapping with Reef Bum are now available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. My next Wrapping with Reef Bum live stream will be next Thursday, June 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Mark Vanderwall from Reef Therapy. So that should be another great show. Awesome. And you can check out the full upcoming schedule of all Wrapping episodes on reefbum.com under the youtube section i also want to give a heads up about my next live coral show on youtube on saturday june 4th at 3 p.m eastern standard time this is going to be my last one for a while but i've got a ton of frags from my 187 gallon tank reboot so there'll be some big chunky stuff up for grabs anyway until then um be safe everybody out there and we will see you next time